Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. I'm looking for Co. just to say thank you. Um, yes, we remember you. Reminiscing about how we've grown over these years. Yesterday, I had a two-hour conversation with my, uh, our family, and then about half of it, even just with Jonathan. Jonathan's our oldest. He's in uh, Michigan. Uh, the older two, Sebastian and Jonathan, are in Grand Rapids. And the younger two are with Anne in Cairo. Uh, middle school, high school, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And we pray that God, we know God has plans for them. And, but it is Egypt. It's quite a place to be. Um, I could tell you stories about people who have, uh, you know, you go there knowing that God has called you, but realizing God is already so much more at work than whatever little work you can contribute. And, you know, I, I think of just even a couple of weeks ago, I was hearing horrible news. Now it's, what, three, four weeks ago about a man my age, his name is Ayub, recent seminary graduate because he had spent many years already serving in Upper Egypt, the, the south of Egypt, um, and doing so much church planting. He had just a lay leader, incredible work among the villages. And um, so he had gone to seminary. He was like the valedictorian of his class. He had, uh, he had started a prayer movement within the seminary, daily prayer, early in the morning. He had just this passion, this energy, and this, this set-apartness. You know, he, he was, God had set him apart to do something. And he Really, it looked like he would be a great leader for the church in Egypt. And then, just a few weeks ago, he's coming back from a conference, ministry, and in a car accident, and killed. And it makes you wonder, why? How long? What is this? I think of another person, Abdullah, who doesn't want to change his name, although many new believers change their names. I think of uh, this man who has endured great suffering for his faith at the hands of the police, um, real kind of torture, at the hands of his family also. I would describe what he's gone through as torture. But he didn't let go, and he sees members of his family and 
people in the police whom he was once abused by uh, coming to faith in this last couple of years. The people that, that we get to work with are just incredible. And God has had these kind of incredible people of faith scattered among us in every country where he sends out and scatters his people. And they, some of them have been martyrs. Some of them have been saints. The, the meaning of martyr is not just to die for your faith, but to be a witness. Meaning of saint is to be someone who's set apart, somehow different, powerful in faith. And, and the, actually, the, a verse that I always think about, uh, I think you guys just finished a, a series in James, yeah? Okay. We did two in our international church in Cairo. Uh, toward the end of James, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, the prayer of a righteous man or a righteous person is powerful and effective. And by God's grace, he puts among us people who are somehow inspirations to us. But he also calls us to be that to others, to people within our families, within our churches. So this morning, the verse that we're going to talk about, it's in 1 Peter. 1 Peter is a book that is all about, it's got some key themes, holiness, suffering, being witnesses, so those go well with these stories I've just told you maybe. But there is another theme in there that sort of undergirds the ability to suffer, the ability to, to live this exceptional, different way, called apart way, to, to be witnesses in this way. What undergirds that, the theme that I want to just kind of open up a little bit for you, with you, is... Uh, prayer, the prayer of a righteous man, powerful and effective. There's a, there's a parallel little verse in chapter 3, verse 12. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So with that in our minds, let's pray together, asking him to bless his word. Lord God, we thank you that you have uh, made us a people of the word. And you keep on speaking to us in fresh ways from your word, uh, strengthening us and using your word to transform us. Lord, we ask that today as we meditate on prayer, that you would uh, lodge something in us that makes us a little different. 
for your glory, we pray. Amen. So when I arrived a couple weeks ago in Vancouver, uh, within hours, I was faced with pumpkins. Um, and I had forgotten how, how much uh, the North American culture sort of revolves around these things that, you know, in some sense it's marketing, in some sense it's holidays. We had just finished uh, Thanksgiving, and so now that was behind us, and it's time to go to the next thing, right? doesn't matter that this is still weeks away. Let's start selling pumpkins. And people already decorating and already making plans for what they will do, how their kids will dress up. And so, so I was really happy when um, the other day, the day before yesterday, I sat with Steve and I got to hear how Living Hope is, you know, I think it's a tradition here, right? You guys have been doing something to connect with the culture, to, you know, stay relevant, um, to invite people to connect with you here, uh, trunk or treat, um, maybe a little bit different, and um, God willing, it won't be too wet. Um, but there's something, we do need to somehow engage culture, but we also have to be able to kind of challenge culture, uh, not uh, you know, to be prophetic constantly against it and critical, but as, just challenge it within our hearts and say, hey, you know, even though I'm kind of using and connecting with people through culture, my identity is a little bit different. And maybe while people dress up uh, and, you know, have fun together, at the same time, there's part of us thinking, how, what's actually happening inside? What... How am I dressed before God? Um, so when I was preparing already before that, weeks ago, um, uh, I think Elisa had asked me if I should, uh, if I'm going to preach, maybe can we connect this a little bit with the roots, you know, what's kind of underneath before Halloween, um, and that is uh, All Hallows Eve, uh, or All Saints Day. Now, I don't know how many of you guys know, but there's a little bit of a history that actually begins right around the time that Islam started. So, how many know what century Islam started? Around the 6th, 7th century, okay? So, in the year, I, I think it was 609, a Catholic Pope decided, looking back, there had already been such persecution and so many martyrs of uh, people who had died for their faith that in that year, he said, on May 13th, we will have All Martyrs Day. A couple centuries later, um, by this point, Islam was exerting greater and greater influence in the world, spreading rapidly. Although a couple centuries earlier, at the time of All Martyrs Day, Egypt was 90% Christian. By the time that 
All Saints Day became. Egypt had, uh, the number of Christians in Egypt probably had shrunk by 50%. Within a couple more centuries or a few centuries, it would be down to 20-15% because of how intensely uh, persecution, martyrdom was happening. And this wasn't just Egypt, this was around the world. A lot of opposition to the kingdom of God, but also a lot of these illuminating, inspiring figures of faith. And so this next pope, I think the, the second one was named like Gregory in around the 8th century, and, and he said, let's move All Martyrs Day to November 1st. And we won't just call it All Martyrs Day, let's call it All Saints Day to say it's martyrs too, yes, but, but it's, it's anyone who really lives for their faith, who stands out. And let's remember those people. Let's look for those people. And so the day before, or the night before, became All Hallows' Eve. Now, when we think of this verse that I shared with you, we should keep those types of people in mind. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. The same in James, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Something about that word righteous that we should wonder, why do James and Peter, these leaders of the faith, of the early church, why do they have this thing about righteous people? I think often in the past, I, I sort of remind myself, yeah, this righteous, it's me, even if I'm not perfectly righteous or even very righteous at all. It's me because of Christ, right? We, I'm I'm clothed by, with Christ. I have, there's something that God has done to see me as righteous. And that's a good, right thing to remind ourselves of. But these two writers are very concerned about holiness and works as well. James, faith and works. Live out your faith. Don't just have the faith, but actually let it transform every part of your life. And here in this book, with all of this emphasis on suffering, there's also holiness and standing up for your faith so that you're a witness. So both of these writers, illuminated, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are challenging us to grow into mature, righteous people Yes, made righteous, but also, yes, becoming righteous. Now, when I, so the way that I tend to read Scripture, I, as, I, as we were going through James, I, I, I only had to preach once, but I, I went through this book many, many times. I often, I'll just listen to the book over and over, sometimes when I'm exercising or whatever, uh, in the car, and I, in order to really hear it and get it, and allow certain things to stand out for me. So when I shifted over to First Peter after James, 
I started listening, listening, listening. And it was prayer that stuck out, that word prayer, but it wasn't this, this time. It wasn't in uh, chapter 3, verse 12. It was in chapter 3, verse 7. There's three times in the book of Peter that he uses the word prayer. The first time is in verse 7 where he says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And he could have ended there, right? That sounds like a really good thing to say. Just a reminder to us husbands to be considerate. I know Anne tells us she lives with five men or boys and how many times I have heard the word considerate and not realized it's a biblical word. But uh, no, he didn't stop there. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. That's what caught my attention as I'm listening and listening and listening. Things hinder our prayers. Not so much, I mean, in this instance, he's not talking about things distracting us, uh, you know, temptations. No, he's saying sometimes your own uh, lack of being considerate, not being very intentional about being good, that can hinder your prayers. It's kind of an interesting concept, isn't it? And there's a parallel. The next time after, so the third time in Peter that uh, he uses the word prayer, he says, this is in verse 7 of chapter 4 now, the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Again, there's a sense, it's not about, you know, things distracting us or temptations. It's, it's that there's so much happening around us, and it's almost, it's, it's coming faster and faster, and there's a certain scariness about it. And it can be very hard to keep praying. To, to have the, those things, if we are not alert and careful, will maybe uh, nosedive our, our faith. We'll, we'll get depressed. We'll, we'll almost feel like, is it really, does, does what we believe actually, is this real? Or is, does this matter? So Peter uses these three times, but there's, as I continue to study this passage, it turns out that he's actually using two different words, prayer. In verse 7 in chapter 3 and verse 7 in chapter 4, it's the same. In verse 12, verse 12 is prayers like crying out. This morning I heard a tragic story. Uh, someone in our prayer group in Egypt 
mentioned something to me, and without even thinking, there was part of me that said, oh, oh God, have mercy on this person. And, and there's this, like, response. When we hear bad news, we cry out. It's, it's like a... Um, sometimes it comes with a lot of emotion, and it's genuine. It's sometimes good and passionate. Sometimes it, it can last because we really live into that. But it's, it's not the way that we normally operate, right? It's more like little punctuation. It, it comes with force. But the word, so that's, that's verse 12. In those two other instances, Peter doesn't even use that word. He's talking prayer like Jesus prayed, conversation with God, constant. It's, it's just talking. That's, that's how you can understand the word in those other two places. He wants us not just to, to grow in prayer on those like occasional prayers, but to grow in a constant state of prayer. When I realized that, I started to ask, what else does Peter have to say to us about prayer? It seems like he knows a little bit. He knows something here that he's quite intentional about what he's doing in this book. And so, you guys, I'm sure you've heard the, the acronym ACTS. Yeah, just raise your hand if you've heard this in relation to prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I'm not going to use that, but I want you to kind of get the idea that maybe Peter has different dimensions when it comes to prayer. Maybe he has a, an idea of how we should pray. There's a constantness, and sometimes it's this crying out. This is, this is part of what prayer looks like, but there's a lot more to it that's, that's constant. That's all the time. And when I started to look at the book this way, I came to realize he has several places where he teaches us, tells, uses words that help us to understand ourselves in relation to God in a constant relationship of prayer. So I have, there's three other sort of um, dimensions of prayer that I was, you know, as, as I looked, I realized that in some way, they cluster or, or they go together. One of these dimensions is right there in chapter 3, very soon after the verse that I shared with you. In verse 15, if I start a little bit before that, verse 13 says, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I'm not going to continue, but... That little bit at the end, very familiar, right? We've heard that how many times? Always be ready to give an answer. In Egypt, one of the, the things that they tell us early on about 
how to do evangelism, how to share your faith. It's make sure that people ask you before you share because it's illegal to proselytize, to initiate this. But if someone asks you a question, you're free to answer the question. So try to get people to ask you questions. Live in such a way that they wonder, what is it with you? What's this hope you have? So Peter is encouraging that, but right in the middle of it, he says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And a chapter earlier, he uses that same word, revere, another time. This is now in chapter 2, verse 18. He's talking to slaves, and this is actually, he's talking to all of us. In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, your employers, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Sounds a lot like what we just read. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. So this concept of revering is connected to consciousness of God. It's on some level revering with like this sort of sense of awe of how, how amazing it is that like I'm in relationship with God. This like God is so great and Jesus is God and Jesus somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit lives within me. What an amazing thing this is. This is the, the reverence comes with a sense of both fear and trembling, but, but not fear and trembling that says, I'm, I'm judged, but I feel like, oh, you've been so kind to me to allow me to experience you, to know you. Wow. It's, it's awe. It's I have this, uh, this new believer that I meet with. I always refer to a person who came from a Muslim background as a new believer because it's, I'm just used to it in, in the Middle East. Better not to refer to the Muslim background. But th this man came to Christ just a few years ago and really has been growing the last couple of years. But before that, he had been a a sheikh or imam, someone who teaches and promotes and helps people to grow in their Muslim faith. So I, it's really actually, you know, somehow by God's grace, I was put in t contact with him and we meet together regularly. And um, I think we find it a very mutually, um, uh, I don't know, fulfilling, enjoyable sort of conversation when we meet together. But this last time that we met, just less than a month ago, he said to me, it is amazing that we have the Holy Spirit. I actually experience this, that God actually lives within me and, and he, he reminds me of things and helps me to, to know things or to, to know how to 
respond or to act or to maybe just a, a word or two, what to say sometimes. And when I see these things happening, I think, how is this possible? I'm not even like screwing my mind around in order to get that. This is like a gift. He just does this. He chooses to be with me. This is awesome. 50-something-year-old man, just fascinated with that idea that we have the living God with us. That's reverence. That's consciousness. The word that Peter uses is actually um, the same word that, I mean, we're all familiar with our conscience, right? Our conscience tells us what's right and wrong. But what Peter is doing here, and it's not done anywhere else in the Bible. Uh, He says, make your conscience turn toward God. Don't think of it in terms of right and wrong when people do right or wrong with you. Be conscious toward God. So the English writers say, well, it's like conscious. But that's what Peter wants you to hear. Conscience toward God. Reverence that God is with me. I can turn to him no matter what's happening. So this is one of those dimensions that I think Peter brings out in this book. Another one, maybe related to that, is, is just this sense of praise. So we're in chapter 2, looking at verse 9. Now he's just talking about right now what it means to be holy, set apart, different. So he says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. It is special that you have God with you. We heard that in in the opening greeting, that you have been called, you are elect, you are God's chosen people. What for? So that... You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How many times I have heard new believers in Egypt, people who were living in darkness, refer to it that way and who are now experiencing faith and experiencing Christ, knowing assurance feeling forgiven, having hope, feeling somehow empowered, having more fear for God than fear for man, they know they're in the light, out of darkness into light. And what Peter says here, so that you may declare the praises of him who did this. And the words here are, again, repeated in some way, parallel, in chapter, five, in chapter 4, if you go to verse 13, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the suffering of Christ. So rejoice is part of this 
declaring the praises. But he goes on, so that you may be overjoyed. So again, there's this rejoice over joy. Overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So again, you've got this same, he's, he's taking it a step further from God is with you, revere, recognize that his closeness, but he's going into now allow that to, to transform, like adoration, confession, thanksgiving. He's mixing adoration, thanksgiving, but this is a little different from when we talk about that because the words, all of these words, praise, he is pointing at what God has done miraculously, powerfully. And, and this takes a certain lens. We have to walk around with the lens and say, God is doing miraculous things around me all the time. God is doing miraculous things in his church all the time. And if we can't see it immediately, then maybe we need to work at it a little bit and like do a little research. We, how much time do we spend surfing the web or you know, running down uh, various different apps or using our computer? We can use some of that time to remind ourselves that God is doing some amazing things. We're in a time that this should be easier than ever. And Peter is saying, hey, you want to be righteous? You want to be set apart? You want to be a little bit different? You want to grow up in your faith? You want to be able to pray and see God answering those prayers? Effectively? Transforming the world around you and your own life? Then just do a little research. It'll help you. So Peter says, don't just cry out. It should be constant. And to make it constant, remember that you have God with you. There's a need for consciousness or have your conscience turned toward and revering the presence of Christ with you. And also look around for how he is working it's, it's also meant to bring praise, glory, joy. So these are parts of it. Maybe that's three dimensions. The fourth one is the way that Peter brackets this book. We're now going, well, you guys are at the back. Let's start in chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So the word there, cast, is, it has throw or, you know, we think casting our line with fishing, right? But, but it's, it's a little different. It has to do with almost, I don't want to call it delegating, but it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I, I need to just put this over there and this over there and this over there. And now if you put that, he's talking about your experience with God. He cares for you. And if you go back to the beginning of the book, 
chapter 1, verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. You know, we've been hearing some of that, but let's focus on the beginning. Since you call on a father who cares for you, cast your cares, your anxieties on him. Give him responsibility. Let him know that you depend on him. Let him know that this part of your life, you want help. Like a good father, you can ask for good gifts and he will give better than any parent. That's, that's the, the language picture that Peter is painting for us. So we've got these dimensions now, four dimensions in some sense, in order to make our prayer constant. It's sometimes like spur of the moment, emotional crying out and saying thank you or saying, oh God, please help. But it's also a lot of the time just a reverence or with maybe research, recognition, acknowledging consciousness of God and then praise for him, praise at his miraculous power. And then also just having that deep sense that he can be depended on more than a father, better than any good father. And we, we just call on, we, well, Peter, he says here, you call him father. Use his name the way that we do in the Lord's Prayer. So when I was preparing my sermon, I don't remember if it was Steve or Elisa who asked me, can you just mention something about the five solas? I don't know if you guys know the five solas, but the, so they, they are something like um, sola, uh, well, let's not do it in Latin, um, uh, faith alone, uh, grace alone, scripture alone, Christ alone, and to God alone be the glory, okay? So as I, I mean, again, I don't like to like make contrived and the connections, but there is something here. In some sense, when we start, I, I started out saying, hey, you know, we are engaging the culture and the pumpkins, but let's also have something in us that's happening at the same time. And we've got a day that the church has been celebrating from before Islam. Let's kind of use that as a reminder that we have something older than Halloween. Something that is about our identity. Something about our relationship with God. And that thing, it's got dimensions, okay? And one of those dimensions is... Let's start with grace. For me, that, that connected really strongly with reverence, with this idea that by God's grace, He, the holy creator, chooses to be my friend, my companion. So grace alone. And then, you know, 
faith alone. I, I feel like that, that does a really good job of just kind of uh, portraying the constantness of this. But it does also something um, about... I think it goes to the fatherhood of God. It, it, it's an active thing to say to myself, I'm not responsible for this. I will do what I can, but in the end, I can cast this on God. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, the miraculous power of God that he overcomes every barrier that stands between us and him, every barrier that stands between us and others. There is nothing left that has power, not even death. Christ alone, just this majestic, amazing figure of God who chose to be human. I mean, to meditate on Christ is to say, God, you can do the impossible, and you're doing it. Faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone. To God be the glory. And I, I wondered, you know, even as we, we practice these different postures or dimensions, where does Scripture fit? Scripture alone. And that's where I just want to end. Um, in the beginning of chapter 2, the, begin, the end of chapter 1, he says, this is the word that was preached to to you. So Peter is just kind of flowing. He's thinking about what have I received from God, the word that, that paints this beautiful picture of who we are. That's what we've, what's been preached to us. That's what we've received. That's what is written. And then he just jumps into, so, you know, become good. Let's just skip over verse 1 and like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up into your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is, the word here is kind. God's kindness. And in the context of the word, we are called to crave that word like an addiction, like a newborn baby wants to be nourished, to grow up. So there it is. We have Scripture alone which nourishes the life of prayer, the relationship of prayer. So, I, I mean, I, I know in some way maybe that's just trying to stretch things a little bit, but I, I really do believe that Peter had something that we need to listen and um, try to practice a little more. The world needs saints. 
The world needs people who know how to suffer, who aren't focused on good and bad, right and wrong, but are focused on God with us and who are able to live good. And out of that, people ask them questions. The world needs to be able to ask questions. What's the hope you have? So I want to just close with a moment just for you to quiet and then to pray together and we'll end with a a song and a benediction. Jesus, we do thank you. We thank you that you came. You show us what it means to suffer and still somehow live good. You showed us what Peter wants to remind us of. You show us also what it means to be living a life of constant prayer and the importance of developing that deep inner life even as we engage the world that we live in. Jesus, you walk with us, you talk to us, you remind us, and we ask that you will remind us, really, this week, tomorrow, but maybe think of this as a new year that we're stepping into. Lord, we ask that you would remind us of what it looks like to be not just clothed in your righteousness, but actually living with your righteousness and being your righteousness so that we can pray and ask and receive the miraculous. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We recognize that we are uh, still at the beginning here. We've made a lot of mistakes But we thank you that that is true. Every day we can begin with you. We can begin again. So Lord, help us with that today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.